They shoot the shit. They shoot, they shoot the shit. Shoot, 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 shit, shit, shit. Shooting the shit with Chippa. Um, and if you guys are primed and ready to go, I'll just start this thingamabobber. Uh, just give me one second. Okay. You get no seconds. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Shooting the Shit with Chippa, the only podcast where you get to hear me talk to people. And that's not true because it's one of four or sometimes five or six podcasts where you get to hear me talk to people. Um, and with that, if you're not sick of me talking to people, I'm going to be talking to a couple of guys that I've talked to before on the show and whose show I've been on frequently. So before we get into that, I just want to remind everybody of my Patreon tiers. I now have a tier at $1, $5, and $15. And if you're on the $15 tier, I'm going to say your name on this podcast, just like the guys who I'm recording with tonight do. Um, that'd be Mason, Christopher Finnick, my mother, Patricia Chipman, and Hugh K. Campbell Jr., who goes by Green Goblin on Twitter and was one of the earlier guests on the Talkbuster podcast. And because, you know, it's fun to just do things like this. Um, this night's episode is brought to you by the Geeks with Shields podcast, your place for all things good and nerdy in this The Darkest Timeline. You can listen to Ulrich and Axel talk to all kinds of random people, especially me. So go check it out. And with that, I'll let you guys introduce yourselves for the second time. How are we doing? It is surreal to hear someone other than Ulrich say the tagline. <laughs> I love it, but it's just it's odd. <laughs> It makes me think we should open a knickknack store that just sells random things. <laughs> anyway, the darkest so yeah, timeline. Uh, we are we are the Geeks with Shields. Well, we're two of the Geeks with Shields anyway. The quote unquote main two, whatever that means. I'm I'm Axel Wright, and as uh, Lord Commander Orwick. We are Legion. Well, we're we're approaching Legion anyway. We are, and we are Trapper Keeper. We are. One. We we love. Oh god. And we love. Uh, yeah, Chris offered us to come back on and chat with him some more. Just an excuse for. Uh, I feel like we've become friends with Chris, so we just you know chat and this we're we're gonna record it. <laughs> exactly. Why why wouldn't you want to hear people with in jokes talk to each other and not really be in on the in jokes? Put it on the internet. That's what we'll. Isn't do. that the majority of podcasts already? Shh. Well, I feel this like so the, far this, this is the only one. <laughs> oh, okay. I feel like so far this trio's main in joke has to do with Jurassic Park and ET, and that was recorded and put out there. So <laughs> that is true. I am um, speaking of this being the only one or only thing like that. I, I want to give a shout out to my friend Tyler Gorman, who runs the uh, Pumpkin Copter Cast. It really struck me as super, super. Um, it was just a cool way that he did his show because he runs a video game podcast. He's like, welcome to the pumpkin P copter cast, the only video game show. And then and just has he, dead air. <laughs> and he, like, does his, uh, he does his with video, right? Cause I yeah, watched, he, I watched you show up on his uh, show. Yeah, he does. He does his over YouTube, like live recording. So it live streams it and then paste posts it to his YouTube channel later. Mm. So that's actually pretty cool. I, I, li I like being on his show. He's local. He's actually the, uh, the first person I ever was asked to sign an autograph for. Really? Uh, That's cool. I, I was in Target in Danvers, right up the street from here. And a guy turned around the corner and went, this is going to be weird, but are you Chris Chipman? And I went, yeah. And he's like, crap, <laughs> I don't have my autograph book. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be awesome. <laughs> and, and so he, he went and shuffled around his bag and had a Star Wars novel. And so I signed that. And then when we ran into each other at PAX, he actually had his autograph book. So me and my wife actually signed it then, and that was pretty cool. That is awesome. 
awesome. I actually was recently, I, I love stories like that. I, I was recently at a convention with uh, Chuck Huber. Do you guys know who Chuck Huber is? Yeah. No. So he's a, for Ulrich who doesn't quite know, Chuck Huber is a voice actor who voices uh, Android 17 and Dragon Ball Z and Hiei and Yu Hakusho, my favorite show of all time. So seeing him was really cool. And he's, He's a, a national treasure, I tell you. But so like at one point, a baby in the audience started crying and he was like, I've had seven kids. I know how to handle it. Let me. And so he like took the baby and, and figured this played a game with it to comment. Anyway, point I'm bringing this up is he Dude, was that's telling awesome. A, yeah, like he was super chill guy. But he was telling a story about why he is his favorite character, because when he first got into the voice acting business, he he didn't realize like that it was as big as it was. So when his, you know, people, the bosses quote unquote, were like, Hey, you want to go to Comic-Con and you know, for what you do, he thought he was going to be there, like handing out copies of the DVD, trying to get people to pay attention to the show. Instead, they sat him down at, you know, a table and were like, you're going to do autographs. And he's like, no one's going to show up. And they went, look at all that. Those people, that's the line for you. <laughs> and he was just like, what? That's wild. And, yeah. And he said it was full of like, you Hakusho fans and people crying because they got to meet Hiei and he's thought that was the moment he realized that he had like a level of fame he didn't really I love stories like that is my point <laughs> oh so do I it's freaking great um so just to give everybody an idea of before we're, we're, we're gonna get into the main show so I'll give a preemptive of why these guys are here um I have been exposed to but have never really sat down I've kind of like watched from the from the side um, the entire big thing that is Warhammer. I had friends that worked at the Gamers Workshop. Um, I have a buddy that's still way into it who was one of those guys that worked there that does all of our character painting for our characters we use in our D&D games we play. And I've always just been super interested in it, but I've never, you know, there's not the Gamers Workshop around anymore, right, that I could just go to and, like, get in on a game, you know, especially around here. So... I tasked these guys with, I'm sure, the difficult and going to need to be done in more than one round, I'm sure, <laughs> task of giving me a 101, one on, uh, yeah, like a Warhammer 101 introduction into, you know, your favorite mythos of it, because there's a lot. So just, you know, pick a cool bent, because I don't know any of them. So whatever will be interesting. And if we were to, you know, say, get together in a couple days and sit down and play a game, what I'd need to know, like about... <laughs> I'll definitely say before before we get to that too. I, I like the uh, the Skyrim principle of like you can be a novice through master of something, and I would consider myself only like between an apprentice and an adept. And Ulrich is like an adept when it comes to Warhammer, so we're not claiming to be experts or masters, but oh, we no. are we are fans. And that is a dangerous thing to label yourself because the community will tear you down. Yeah, we le we learned that one of our first Warhammer episodes, my buddy Wretched came online, and I made the mistake of calling him an expert on the chaos, which he's not. Oh and he no, he never claimed to be, but <laughs> he got uh, a little a little attacked because of that. <laughs> Speaking of that, I'm gonna have to get him on this show sometime. He's a blast. Oh. Yeah, Richard's great. So, oh, anyway, anyway so, before before we get into that, you have a, a game for us, don't you? Yes. So this will be, I think, the the fourth time now, and I think only second because if oh yeah, well for you guys, there's only two episodes where you could have heard me playing this game with people, and um, by the time this comes out, there'll only be about three or four where I've done it. But it's it's a new thing I started working into my podcasts. Um, my uh, buddy Jim and I at work on lunch came up with some movie games to play. 
Um, one of the ones we've played that we haven't started turning into a real game yet because it's more masterclass, as he puts it, because he doesn't know as much about directors and things like that as me, was a fun one called Director Speed Dating, where... Hmm you'd have the two people sitting across from each other and they'd each get a director and they'd have to keep going back and forth with a timer to like write a script quickly, like Mad Lib style, you know, using the two directors. So you'd have like um, Guillermo del Toro and Robert Rodriguez. And so first guy gets Robert Rodriguez and it's like, it's a story of an underaged girl. And then Guillermo del Toro, who is also a bug <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and stuff like that. And so that one's in the uh, preliminary stages of existing. But Right Quote Wrong Movie is the game I want to play with you guys tonight. And it's Cards Against Humanity style. Um, you and me and Ulrich all and, and friendlies. No, and, and Ulrich <laughs> all have 10 cards with movie quotes in the actual movie they go with. Because I'm assuming the people playing this game all won't know these quotes like I do. And um, we're going to randomly pick, because this is all through a random number generator in an Excel spreadsheet right now. Um, a number and a movie's going to pop up and the person who's not the person guessing, cause I actually have three players this time. Um, so we can play it the real way. The other two guys will throw out a quote and one of us, the guy who called out the movie has to pick the quote that goes with that movie the best. And, and if we're going to, are we just going to say it to you or do yeah, we we're just like... going to say it. Cause right now, you know, I don't have like a anonymous way of getting that from you, but it's an honor system. You know, we're not picking favorites here. It's rock on at least of the people. <laughs> and again, we'll also let the people listening to the episode vote as well. It's kind of the idea. So, all right. Um, with that, do you guys have your quotes ready? I yes. do. Awesome. So round one, Ulrich is it. And Ulrich pick a number between Three and 145. Uh, nine. And the movie is Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. <laughs> so, right? So, Axel, I will let you go first out of your 10 quotes. Oh. And again, just like with Cards Against Humanity, it's not necessarily the quote that would always win, but you know your friend, and I kind of know you guys, so like you're kind of reading the room and throwing something. Maybe it just has a funny in-joke to it, you know, or whatever, so let's go for uh, it. All right, well, the one that sticks out to me, I don't know if this is going to land, but it made me kind of giggle just because I'm imagining a tomato saying it, but <laughs> is, there aren't evil guys and good guys. They're just a bunch of guys. Zero effect. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that worked for me. So Okay, so so my quote is from 30 Days of Night, and I feel that this quote is so super serious <laughs> that it almost doesn't go with Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, and that's what makes it funny. <laughs> that cold ain't the weather. That's death approaching. Ooh. Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Oh, that's a tough one, because those both work for very different reasons. Axel, this is a monologue of the tomato, you know, saying that line is hilarious. But Chris, that would make a great tagline for the movie. So what do you think? Uh, by a hair, I'm going to go with yours, Chris. Okay, so I take round one, and we'll just keep tabs on our own. Um, okay. and, and I figure we'll do, we'll, we'll each get two rounds is basically the way that I think this will work. Right. Um, so I'm going to keep track right here. Chris, Axel, Ulrich. Oh, the joys of Microsoft Excel. We're, we're engineers. We're very aware of charting things. Yes. All right, here we go. Round two, Axel, mm -hmm. leaving out number nine, a number between three and 145. 
144. Ooh. It's 12 by 12. Sunset Boulevard. Okay. And if none of us know this movie, it's all you can re-roll. Uh, it's know been a long it. time since I've seen Sunset okay. Boulevard. Okay, re-roll. What do you want? Um, 99. Network. No shit. Okay. I'm mad okay. as hell, and I'm not going to take it anymore. Yeah, okay, there we love go. It. Love it. Okay, and um, I'll let Ulrich go first. <laughs> um, you play a good game, boy, but the game is finished. Now you die. Oh, perfect. <laughs> I'm going, what's that from, um, Ulrich? Phantasm. Phantasm, yes. I'm going to go in a similar vein. Uh, cheater. He knows that Phantasm is my favorite horror movie. Well, anyway. this will this will be a fun one, too. Well, hello, Mr. Fancy Pants. Well, I've got news for you, pal. You ain't leading but two things. Right now, Jack and shit, and Jack left town. Army of Darkness. Uh, th- okay, because the, the Army of Darkness quote is way more fitting with, uh, you know, the most famous scene from Network, obviously. But I, I got to be, you know, basic and uh, go with the Phantasm quote because it's Phantasm, and I don't there any recognition There ain't nothing wrong with that. That's called so, playing the room, man. That's called playing yeah. the room. I just love any time it gets it spoken because people don't talk about it. So, <laughs> all right. So that's one for Ulrich, and now it is my turn to be the picker, and three to one forty-five. And the cool thing is, is that the 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 uh, sheet that has all the movies is buried. So I don't I don't know what's about to pop up, which I think is All great. Right. And I let a buddy of mine at work for these pick the uh, um, numbers for the quotes, and then he just gives them to me, and I send them to people. So I, I don't even know what quotes you guys have. It's great. What's <laughs> um, I'm gonna go with eighty six. Yu Gi Oh, the movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh okay. man. Okay. <laughs> So do you guys, are you enjoying this? Oh, this is awesome. Because <laughs> I'm enjoying the shit out of this right now. Oh. Um, really good ones. I'm not sure which one to use. All right. I think I got one. Okay. Oh, and I blame uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! Abridged. Okay. Whichever one of you wants to go first. All right, I'll go first. Well, I got a number. How do you like them apples? <laughs> Fantastic. All right. I, I don't think I'll take a point for this. It's not funny. It's just that I think it actually is very appropriate, oddly enough. Do or do not. There is no try. That's fantastic. I do have to go with Ulrich on that one. That's fine. But I that wasn't was really good. That was really good. All right. So back to Ulrich. Ulrich, besides 9, 99, and 86, uh, 3 13. to 145. 13. Yeah, I'm lucky. Bride of the Monster. Bride of the Monster. That would be a. Um, All right, I got it. I, that I'm would, good. That would be an Ed Wood film. Okay. <laughs> Mine is Get Your Stinking Paws Off Me, You Damn Dirty Ape. It's going to be really hard to top that one. All right, let's let's see what you got. I mean, let's see what I got. Should yeah. I say? Don't mind me. I'm losing my mind. Um, okay. 
Whoa, monster cock from <laughs> You know what they say about <laughs> it's true, it's true. Oh, I gotta give that one to Axel just because that one his line feels like it would be part of an Edward film. I agree. <laughs> I got a point. Yay! You got a point. All right, so now it is Axel's turn. Forty-two. Ah, uh, yes. The meaning of life, the universe, and everything. The Lone Ranger. Oof. All right. Uh, old one. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Ooh. Okay. I got it. Perfect one. Go ahead. All right, you primitive screwheads. Listen up. See this? This is my boomstick. Yeah, that's damn good. I could also see Johnny Depp saying that in a really, really, really racially inappropriate voice. I'm going to choose to see Bruce Campbell in a Lone Ranger outfit instead. So. That would be awesome. Um, okay. I'll just go for... You know how to whistle, don't you, Steve? You just put your lips together and blow. To have and have not. I'm going to have to go with Bruce Campbell. Yeah, I have a, I, I have a rough le- rest of my list here. All right, that's Ulrich for three. And now we come to me even though it's going to be Ulrich's game no matter what. And I will pick 56. Predator. Lay it on me, bitches. Uh... Oh, I got two that work really well. Uh... All right. I'm going to go with, just because I want to hear Arnold Schwarzenegger say this. I've got a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. <laughs> I've got the feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. Yes, it's a chopper. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see. Ah. Oh, I already used that one. Damn it. That would have been a good one. Okay. Then I'll just go with I like the way you die, boy. Django Unchained. Oh, man. Yeah. Go with Ulrich. Ulrich, all right, and <laughs> wow, Ulrich, the winner, four to one. So that's yeah, that's, I, that's I haven't won. I haven't won a Cards Against Humanity type game, and I don't know how long. So, so that that is right quote wrong movie for everyone out there, and I'm going to attempt to turn that into a real game. So feedback, let me know if you like it. I love the concept, and I feel yeah. like once we have it in like card forms or in a yes. app form, it'll be yes. amazing. Exactly. This is just spitballing right now. But man, just how much we were laughing during that, that that made me happy. And you can make expansions forever. Oh, yeah. Especially you can do genre expansions. At the very least, just grab those. uh, What is that? That famous list of like supposedly the quote unquote top 100 movie quotes. Just grab that. Grab some of those YouTube videos of like top movie quotes. And there's there's tons of material there. Just think, though, like, you know, you could have the Avengers pack. You could have the. You could have the shitty DC movies pack. <laughs> oh, <Yeah>. sad now. <laughs> what was that name? Uh, anyway, so, yeah, Warhammer. Okay, so before we jump into Warhammer, necessarily, give uh, you said that you had this kind of, like, passing relationship with it. Uh, it sounds like your passing relationship is with it primarily as the actual tabletop game. Yes, right? and, th- and and so back then when I saw people playing it, I didn't know the lore ran as deep. So that's what interested me is it's like, okay, I watched my friends play this, but I never played because, it, you know, at the time I went, wow, that looks expensive. 
It is. <laughs> and, My point um, hasn't changed. And um, you know, I so I I'm assuming it's kind of similar in vein to a real time strategy type game, but on a tabletop. Well, that... I've heard yes, I've heard some no. people refer to uh, StarCraft as essentially a toned down version of okay. Warhammer, which isn't entirely incorrect. So I don't know if because I have a passing visual of what's going on there, I don't know if that's a good place to start or if giving like a, you know, and again, this can be interactive. I don't want you guys just to talk and have me go, yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know? obviously, you're having a conversation. Here. That's yeah. why I was kind of wondering like where where the good because for instance me i don't actually play the tabletop game i wouldn't mind cool. playing it i i uh i like orcs a lot but i got into it originally with a video game um dawn of war which is a pc rts and i still play uh dark crusade which is the um, second expansion to dawn nice. of war and also and also i don't know if this has any meaning to you but elijah leonidas who i've had on this show said mm-hmm. said to me when i posted we were talking about it please talk about blood bowl I don't know what. Oh, Blood Bowl see, is. that's that's regular. I can talk about Blood Bowl. Yeah, that's got to be okay. older. So here's here's another thing. There's two different segments of Warhammer. There's Warhammer quote regular, and there's Warhammer 40k. One is fantasy oriented, and the other is science fiction oriented. See, that I, answers that answers my well, first question. Technically, there's three now because there's Warhammer Old Fantasy, and now there's Warhammer Age of Sigmar, which is I a whole. Age mess. of Sigmar was kind of like an update. Of, okay, I'm not going to even touch. You do point not is, well, do not touch the Age of Sigmar Hornet's Nest. Point is, I know practically. Well, wait a minute, but if but if, about, but if I if I turn this episode into a Hornet's Nest, that's like no press is is bad press, right? So <laughs> instead of your want... show getting. The AOS debate. Oh no. All right. Like, all all oh, of my oh. knowledge is 40k. I know very little about regular so Warhammer. 40k is the sci-fi, like like robot yeah. costume people yeah. kind of thing. And then the the prior is more of the um Fantasy. the the Horus Heresy and that kind of stuff. No, Horus Heresy is 40k. Okay. There's a lot of I see a lot of it and didn't know how it merged together. When I saw people play on tabletop, I really only ever saw them playing 40K. Well, here's the interesting thing about 40K and, and regular. Even though I don't play tabletop, I know this much. There are a lot of friends who do play. There are a lot of pieces you can use in either. Particularly, like, if you play Chaos, which are essentially Hell, like, a lot of the pieces can be used whether you're playing regular, 40K, uh, regular Warhammer or 40K. Same thing goes for, like, a lot of, you know, some, well, not a lot, but some of the orcs, the ones that don't have guns essentially <laughs> so so at the like first principles level you, you know you have the video games you've got the lore you know like books and um, and everything else and then the tabletop game what's the like purpose of it do you know what well, i mean like is there well, originally is, is it warring tribes is it um you know what what's what's quite going on like what's um, the idea well, I'll let, I'll let, well okay so i would say for 40k right if we're talking like um like spirit of it almost sounds like we we're talking about this like warring traps concept 40k the the phrase and i'm gonna butcher the phrase right now but the fr- the phrase is something like uh the future is oh man what's in the grim it? darkness of the far future there is only war thank you i knew nice. i just couldn't I was mixing it up with the Game of Thrones stupid phrase, but yeah, so so that concept, right, in the grim dark future, there's only war. There's a few things that, like, very specific words that really latch on to the spirit of 40K as far as I'm concerned. For instance, grim dark. 
Like, normally, I'm not a fan of things that have the grim, dark label, because it means things are just being overly dark and edgy, and I'm not really into that. I'm kind of, I think, hope punk is the term. But Warhammer is one of the only cases where it really works, because it leans so heavy into grimdark tonally that it it's literally about this galaxy where things are basically as bad as epic and as brutal as they can possibly be hence why the other important word in that phrase is war like it's called warhammer for a reason and 40k uh especially right is like every there while there is bits of lore and stuff that are not necessarily about war most of what you're coming at it from is a a war perspective how war is waged who are the people waging wars why are they waging wars so things like that interesting so just to kind of give you the basic overall stripped down version the two biggest factions in the universe is the imperium of man which is a theocratic fascist mega empire oh gee i wonder what that's based on (laughs) And the other side is the Forces of Chaos, which is a combination of nightmare-spawned reality demons based on the most primitive human emotions and those who left the Imperium of Man because they want the freedom that that provides. But okay. one, of the, one of the benefits of Warhammer 40K's universe, though, is that it has a lot of factions that are quite large like while the imperium is inarguably the largest faction in the galaxy at least there are so many that like the tyranids which i could talk about later probably have the most in the universe because they actually come from another galaxy but like there's only one little section of them in our galaxy the the orcs there are like more orcs than any other species other than maybe human but they're not unified so there's all these kind of like you find what works for you. you. You like elves? There's the Eldar, who are space elves. I hate the Eldar, personally. but <laughs> Yeah, they're kind of boring. Space elves just seems like we're, we're just trying too hard. I don't know why. But to me, it's just like, aren't, aren't wouldn't space elves just kind of be They've like... They've evolved past that, but on their very much surface level, they are. Fun fact about the Eldar, that was uh, Robin Williams' army that he used to play. Oh. And he had voices for every one of them. I'd and he would go to a little tiny hole-in-the-wall store in San Francisco and would play there. But his only continue was, don't tell anyone I play there, and I'll keep coming here. And he had he called them the sissy gay space elves, mm-hmm. and he had voices and characters for his entire army. That's incredible. Um, so to, to step back for a second and just say, for a guy who's most of my experience with tabletop gaming like this is Dungeons and Dragons and things that are spin off of that. So like Mouse Guard I've played and you know other iterations. So when you the, the type of world that is created in Warcraft no matter what version seems it's more multi-planet type of stuff like yeah. StarCraft kind. Of, so what else sets it apart from like a Dungeons and Dragons type of approach? Does it have like a different approach to like what it takes like what it pays attention to because Dungeons and Dragons is very individual character based. Well, there, there's already right. And Ulrich, you can back me up or shoot me down on this, but Warhammer in general on the tabletop and in the lore is a lot less individual based. There are, you know, great figures, like particularly figures like the emperor of man and his primarchs and you know, a handful of like, you know, big 
uh, named people and other factions. But generally speaking, it's not really about that. It's more about like, uh, what, what's the word? Like entire movements of armies and stuff. Like when you're playing on the on the tabletop, you can have hero units, which are or whatever you want to call champion. I'm not sure what the term is, but mostly it's about maneuvering your armies. And the things that happen in Warhammer happen on such a unbelievable scale it's meant to be ridiculous like it is to an insane unbelievable degree on purpose so like when they say in a single battle on you know one planet you know millions are dying you know it's it's not supposed to be like something that you can really wrap your head about around it's supposed to be ridiculously epic is kind of the right and the thrust and that's where the the you know with my my limited background in this kind of stuff, that's where the real time strategy, like you said, the StarCraft, but StarCraft seems to be Warhammer light because there's definitely not millions of people dying in StarCraft. But you know, that's the, the the kind of idea that I was thinking when I was thinking about it. Yeah, and Axel's kind of right in that in that in the lore, it's very much painted with broad strokes because the Imperium of Man is so big and because it's basically them versus everything else because the big players are the Imperium of Man versus Chaos but there's also countless alien races that the Imperium won't tolerate, can't tolerate, doesn't want to get along with anybody so there's massive casualties on a daily basis but on the tabletop sense you really can get in depth with your models and make stories for them and background i mean i know a guy he plays chaos and he has a bunch of cultists and they're all individually named nice so that's you can it all depends how much you want to put into it especially at least from the hobby aspect I mean, if you want to go in depth and create long backstories for your characters, you can. Or if you want this to be guardsman number, you know, one one zero five zero three, there's literally an army that consists of clones. They are just people cloned over and over again because they die in such numbers. Also, you got to understand with the Imperium specifically that, that I don't know if it's their motto, but you'll see uh, this phrase repeated a lot. Uh, Kill the heretic, burn the mutant, purge the unclean. Oof. It's like their credo. They're very xenophobic, like to the point where anything that's even remotely seemingly against humanity is the enemy and must be purged immediately. There's an entire concept called, um, is it not extremis, but something similar. I can't think of the word right now where a certain space oh, marine exterminatus. chapter. Exterminatus. Thank you. A certain space marine chapter. If a planet just seems lost to Xenos, essentially, they'll just raise the entire planet so it's no longer habitable. It's better than letting Xenos and demons you know, rampage the through Xenos, it. it's mostly for chaos and infestation because the thing, because here's so the cool thing. Do it for orcs, too. Yeah, because that's only we can get rid of orcs, because they're a spore. <laughs> no, literally, in the, for the universe, record, they're for the record, They sprout put, out of the ground. Well, for the record, right, Ulrich here is pro, is the Imperium. That's his thing, particularly a certain space. No, I would I would have never have expected that. Yeah, he's uh, Ultramarines, right? That's your, yes, your go-to? that's my and, go-to. And I'm, uh, I'm Orc. Like, Orc is my, my choice, my Now, are the, are the Orc um, Earth-based, or are they... Um, no, actually, so alien. Here's, here's the thing. When it comes to the lore, right, 
it, it's got that kind of here's one of the reasons why it's starcraft light the without getting into too much detail way back before humanity was like you know even making fires there was a, a race of beings that were i forgot the orcs call them like the brain boys and stuff the but i can't ones. remember what the old ones, thank you. They're basically like eldritch beings that cre- that seeded life, and they're they were at war with the Necrons, who are basically think of them as the uh, Skynet in space. They're the ter- they're Terminators essentially. Yep. And so, in order to fight the the Necrons, these re- this race, the old ones, created two lesser races. Uh, well, quote unquote, one that was supposed to be of the mind, and one that was supposed to be the like kind of perfect body. The mind one turned out to be the Eldar, which is why they have crazy psychic powers and then the physical one was the orcs so they were genetically created and engineered by the old ones to be creatures of war so that it's built into their very like the fabric of their being they are literally made of spores so if one orc lands on your planet they'll just drop spores into the ground and you know after a span of time orcs will stop popping out of the ground basically fully grown and already with an instinct and drive to to kill and just wage war because that's what they were made to do this they all also, sounds really friggin' cool yeah they also I, come I with an innate knowledge sorry they also come born with an innate knowledge to do whatever task it is they need to do true like, like the if, ones who well, I could go into detail on that a lot, but it, the ones who need to quote unquote build things, they don't learn. They just know how to do it. It's built into their their structure. It would have been really cool to know all of this when I was watching my buddies play this. <laughs> but uh, one one last thing, because I feel like I could go on about the orcs for a long time. Maybe we'll do that in another episode. But one of my favorite things about the orcs that you gotta understand is they aren't not psychic. Just because the Eldar are like the psychic ones doesn't mean that the orcs can't be psychic. What they have is called the Waha, which is a shared psychic field that they are all part of. And the more orcs that are in proximity to each other, each other, the more power they draw from the Wa to the point where it's one of the most famous things about Warhammer orcs is that if they believe something hard enough and there's enough of them together, it will just be true. One of the best examples of this is that all orcs believe that if you paint something yellow, that when it explodes, it'll explode bigger. And then that is that happens. That is true when orcs do it. Orcs technology, for instance, is ramshackle and made from, you know, like junk, essentially, but they believe it will work. So it works. If you take an orc's gun, you see him firing, you kill the orc and you pick it up and try to use it. It won't work like it, it doesn't it's not actually built in any based in any science. It's just they it's all based believe on sheer will. Exactly. exactly. Oh, that's fucking cool. <laughs> so most orc tech operates on this principle. Actually, it was an intentional from the old ones so that they're like an army that was fighting the orcs couldn't resupply themselves with the orcs weapons. Right. It's like an entire army full of, you know, guns that are tied to someone's DNA. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's really cool. Yeah. But anyway, I, I think I've gone about the orcs. If we're having a, a first session, a one-on-one session, you got to focus on the Imperium because the Imperium is really the main player in this war in Warhammer 40 K's universe. And I feel like if you're going to talk about the Imperium, you got to start with the the Emperor, because the Imperium, so much of it is based on this one great figure in the lore. So there's a number like 
The entirety of the Imperium is based on this one guy who was called the Emperor of Man. And where he came from is kind of hotly debated. There's a few different things get into that. I perf- I like the one that, uh, you know, thousands of years ago, actually tens of thousands because it takes place in the year 40,000 some. But anyway, uh, like a bunch of shamans came together and sacrificed themselves together to reincarnate all their souls into one being. But that's not like canon or anything. That's just it's one the of the most five. widely accepted theory currently. I guess, but there's also some theories that he, like, is an old one, or at least was a creation of the old ones. Point is, the Emperor of Man has been around since caveman times. Yeah, the dawn of time. Yeah, but he stayed in the background, just slowly pushing humanity in the right direction for most of its time. Until the right direction. <laughs> yeah, what what he believed was the right direction. And he's he's basically immortal. He's this super powerful psychic and... Uh, eventually, once humanity had started spreading across the stars, the Emperor, like, took control and created, like, the Imperium of Man proper. And there's a lot of details I'm I'm just glossing over here because the, the Emperor's lore is thick and deep and insane. But, so the point is, he gets all of the Empire together. He has this crusade where he's, like, he wants to bring, you know, this one Empire of Man across everything. But what's interesting about him is he's completely secular. He he believes that religion is inherently destructive, and so part of what he is like spreading on his crusade is essentially science dogma and and belief in it's own- called the imperial truth. And the idea is there are no gods; there is only science. And the reason he kind of does that is because there are gods. They are the chaos gods, and they feed off people's belief. And he's hoping he can starve them out once and for all if no one believes in them. Yeah. So, anyway, so Emperor's going around spreading this. He finally, he uses his own DNA to create a special set of 20 warriors that are called the Primarchs, that are going to be his his instrument of his will. And the Horus Heresy, which you've mentioned several times, is one of the most interesting to read about events in all the Warhammer 40k. Horus, the the guy is a is a guy's name, is the first of the Primarchs. Think of him as Lucifer, he uh, to to the Emperor's nice. god. So he is he is the favorite among the Primarchs. He is the Master General. What's the term? A War Master? I think he's a War Master. master. Yeah, he's the War Master of the Emperor's armies. And he leads, like, all the other Primarchs, essentially. But through a series of events involving another Primarch who is insane. Well, there's a zealous. lot of other factors that kind of go into it. Read yeah. the Horus Ho- Heresy if you're interested. Yeah. Point uh, is, Horus gets turned Long story short, daddy issues. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, no, I'm li- like, no joke. Basically, the whole big triggering event is the Emperor's like, all right, I have to go back to Earth to complete a secret project. And Horus goes, but why? I can't tell you. Why not? Because I don't trust you. And procedural events fall out from there it all kind of fair, it's back. less it's less they didn't trust him and more that he trusted him to do what he needed to do and just take orders because yeah and they've kind of come back around to that and now there's a whole competing theory of how much did the emperor really know and we can get all into that but most of the primarchs that kind of turned against the emperor did it because he was a shit dad <laughs> well he was more of a yeah he was more concerned with his people in general than his 20 sons but anyway so Horus goes to Chaos, gets like half of the Primarchs on his side, and the Horus Heresy is the subsequent civil war between Horus and his Chaos Primarchs and their legions and the Emperor and his loyalists. 
And technically, awesome. there are 21 sons. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay, correct. But Alpha Legion has twins. Yeah, so the Horus Heresy is like the biggest event in the Imperium's history, because before the Horus Heresy, the Imperium was unstoppable, essentially. There was no force in the galaxy that could really stand up to them. But the Horus Heresy destroys the Imperium. Like, it... it it weakens it so much. Most of the Primarchs are dead or missing by the end of it. And, Jesus. And the Emperor is stuck. Okay, so this, this this takes a little more explaining, but the way that faster-than-light travel works in the Warhammer 40k universe is there's something called the warp. Think of it as another dimension where the chaos gods uh, live. A dimension of thoughts and emotions and nightmares. Exactly. So, so, so real quick, um, when... And again, we don't need to go into the full history of this stuff, but like when the tabletop game started, did that start when the lore was oh, no. established? The tabletop was... game was kind of smashed together, random bits and pieces taken from other IPs. And if you look, because it started back in 1984, I believe. Okay. So if you look at the first edition of Warhammer to like maybe the fourth edition, so much lore has been done away with, deleted. There are characters that no longer exist. Uh, the Primarchs weren't really established. I think the Horus Heresy wasn't even mentioned as a concept until like the third edition. Okay, okay. And then it was like back in the mid-2000s, they went, you know what? We should flush this out and write a whole story around it. And that's when they started the 60-some book series. It's Good. just that, now coming to an end. That helps, because, like, if you're... I, I could just see, you know... Uh, again, there's lore with Dungeons & Dragons that goes with each edition and everything. And, you know, there's certain characters that are just there. But, you know, when you when you play your your game, you know, it's kind of in an existing timeline. You might jump into a war that's well-known or whatever. But I could just see, you know people trying to keep up with this sitting down and you know it's like when you play a game of warhammer are you sitting down playing a pre-scripted battle from the stories or is it just kind of no you're setting this up and the stories are just kind of there to back up the characters and the lore you, you the great thing is you can do both like, yeah that's awesome. awesome do it yeah there that's are awesome. people and, who I, and I didn't to mean recreate. to stop you i was just oh. piecing all that together in my head and going jesus like imagine if you know I have a legion where, you know, I've got th this, these two Primark guys and this, and I'm, I'm out there fighting my buddies and then, oh, they're dead now. Oh, fuck. <laughs> you, you yeah. Know? No. Like I, when you said you wanted an introduction to Warhammer, that's kind of why I, I need an entry point, man. This thing is monstrous. No. And yeah, that's why is, for me, this for me, is going exactly how I wanted it to. This is, this is helping okay, me a lot. Good. All right, well, let me I, – I can cap this off pretty quick to the main thing I wanted to get to. So at the end of the Horus Heres – well, so the warp, right? It's how the, they travel faster than light by entering the warp, and then they travel through it. But the problem is that since the warp is a realm of nightmares and chaos and emotion, that if you try to travel through the warp unprotected, you'll come out either insane or a demon or – Not like, at all. Or, or not at all. Yeah. I just have Event Horizon in my head. Going Here's the funny warp. thing. Yes, that. Okay, people are convinced that Event Horizon is a backdoor 40K movie that just never got made. Oh, because shit. Yeah, it is. The concept it, is insanely similar. Yes. <laughs> just change hell for the warp and everything that happened is pretty much what would happen if you went into the warp. It. I love the shit out of that movie. It's, it's a weird one. I, it's I, it's I like probably it. the only great thing Paul W.S. Anderson even came close to making. 
Yeah, I so, want it to be redone as an actual 40k movie. Just that so awesome. use that. So use that as your basis. So now there are certain ways to travel through the warp without going insane, essentially, which involves psychers like giving protection, but mostly involve the God Emperor himself. Like he's so he's a lighthouse. Thing, yeah. So the thing he was developing that he wouldn't tell Horus about was essentially he was trying to access old Eldar gateways so that it was a way of going faster than light without having to use the warp. But since the Horus Heresy happened, it kind of destroyed the gateway. So instead, you know, he ended up being really injured in the last fight with Horus. So he gets on this throne, which is, you know, the, the golden throne where he is, that's filled with these machines that just keep him alive. And while he sits there, he sends his mind out in the warp to function as a beacon so people so humans can travel through the warp without you know too much fear there's still a basic level of danger but he as long as he is there he allows them to do this without you know all dying essentially and that that happened back like 10,000 years before the 40k so the emperor's been in this chair for like 10,000 years and decaying so like when you see him now he's basically a skeleton in armor but he's still quote unquote alive in fact, they have to sacrifice a thousand psychers to the throne every day to feed him, quote unquote. And we should clarify: a psyker in this universe is someone who has who can manifest psychic abilities by drawing energy from the warp. Now, the reason from... all this background is important is because even though the emperor was like, you know, there are no gods, science is what's important, because he is literally the only reason that people can travel through the warp, and now he is not around to actually control how the Imperium has moved, he has become the god of mankind. There is this cult. Yeah, this cult has risen around him, the the cult of the Emperor, and so he's seen a cult anymore. (laughs) Now it's a straight-up religion, yeah, but it was originally a cult, obviously. It's one of the four pillars of the Imperium. (laughs) Yeah, so now it's like if you're part, quote unquote, part of the Imperium and you say anything that is heretical towards the Emperor, they will just cut you down as a heretic. Like, damn. Yeah, so that is the reason I told you that whole story is to give you an idea of like how the Empire, how the Emperor shaped how the Empire formed and why now it's in this huge decline. It's this theocracy where everyone's like, the Emperor is you know, what's most important, and we don't actually bother coming with new technologies because only the technology that was around when the Emperor was <laughs> around is what's important. And <laughs> so yeah, the, the Imperium has been in decline for some time, and it's why, even though it's the largest, most spread out, and most populous, it's, you know, being beset on all sides by all these other factions, so... <laughs> And they kind of started to turn it around in the recent lore because they actually started bringing back Primarchs because we haven't had Primarchs in the game forever unless you're playing, you know, the Heresy when and everyone has Primarchs. But now yeah. they're trying to bring Primarchs back. And one of the first ones they brought back was my man, uh, Robote Gilliman. And he was like, oh, what'd you do to my dad's kingdom? Everything's fucked up. Okay, oh, and- just, just give me five minutes. I'm going to start trying to fix this. God damn it. <laughs> And with the exception of Horus, who doesn't exist at all anymore because the God Emperor deleted him from existence, all the other ones that turned, they're all like demon princes now. Yeah, they went to specific gods and got superjuiced on demon goodness. Anyway, so that was a lot of just like loose lore thrown at you. 
So, like, what what's on your mind just hearing all of that? <laughs> well, what's on my mind is I, I want to, like, read all this now, which I, you know, is probably bad for my free time. Um, but, uh, man, um, so there's a lot going on there. And you said this has been going on since the 80s? Yep. That's longer than I thought because I, I had, in my mind, it had just kind of blown up in the early 2000s. So do the... Do the video games cover the same lore as the books, or are they about specific battles or specific uh, They are more specific. So that, that Dawn of War game that I told you about that got me into it is yep. about... So remember I mentioned the Necrons who are like space terminators? So yep. the Necrons aren't really, quote-unquote, currently active. Their entire thing is if they're losing a battle, they just teleport away and then go to sleep and wait for whatever the force is to die or go away and then they resurrect essentially so they are asleep on these what are called tomb worlds where the the necron are basically stored so the plot of dawn of war the the pc rts game was that a tomb world was found so these necrons are awakening from it and suddenly a bunch of like other forces show up like one of the space will or uh, space marine chapters so think man um the blood ravens i think is what they are yeah like the blood show, ravens show up they show uh, up everyone kind of shows up for whatever yeah. reason on this an one orc plan. warlord shows up bringing his orcs with him and some eldar show up because basically they're ancient enemies of the necron so they're like all right we gotta deal with this necron infestation uh chaos show up because they're like we want to have the necron tech and what any other tech we find here and so the the plot of dawn of war is just all of these races trying to vie for this one planet so the games are a good introduction but in terms of lore not your friend because they play really fast and loose and okay but they're, they're a good way to expose you to yeah. what the game is like though and let you figure out like what you you gravitate towards because for instance you know you might find out you you know play down a war you might find out that you really like the tau and so then now that you've played the game, you're like, oh, I like Tau. this race, so I'm going to go research them and see what their lore is like. Now now that you say that, so do the do the PC and um, console games, you have a choice of who you play as, or are they... Depends, depends on, on the, the game. Depends like on the in, game in Dawn of War, you do have a choice. You just you pick which one you want and try to take over the world. But uh, one of the more famous games from the last you know decade or so was uh, on Xbox 360. I think there was Space Marine, where I you played that. as a Space Marine. So, nine times play, out of ten, you're gonna play out as a, play as a space marine. Cause... Right, that that seems to make sense. It almost I'm hearing this, and it's like I kind of almost wish that all of the money and time Ridley Scott spent on Prometheus and that other alien <laughs> movie, he just went ahead and made some Warhammer movies. Because that would have so, been uh, cool. the time is coming. I, I also I love the concept of a Warhammer movie, but we talked about this. Uh, we had Lore Master of Sotek, who is like all about regular Warhammer like we had him on our podcast a while back and we were talking about the concept of a Warhammer or Warhammer 40k movie and because of the the epic grand scale of these things we're like I mean we could do it now but it you know it's a pretty niche market still and it'd be pretty expensive so it's like you, you know, say niche. I don't think it is as niche as people want it to be that's fair or or maybe a tv show see Hell. I'll they've got a, they've got a YouTube series in the works. Oh, cool! All right, I, I'd watch that. No, they this last couple of years they have really made a push into the pop culture. I mean, we have Funko Pops now. We're getting a line of action figures. We got two Munchkin games. 
They made a Munchkin game? They've got two, both for Warhammer 40k and uh, Warhammer AOS. Oh, I love Munchkin. Yeah, so they are making a big push into the cultural zeitgeist going, hey, here's a thing called 40k. Give me all your money. So I, I, I really do like the idea. I had, I had thought, you know, just my, my ignorance towards it, that the difference between Warhammer and 40k was more... I, I didn't know that 40k had kind of the mix of some of the fantasy characters and, you know, kind of Space Marine, um, Halo kind of looking stuff. Um, so that's really cool. I, I had thought that there was a clear line of, oh, no, this is the fantasy one and this is the sci-fi one. I like the idea there of there being a mix. There isn't, but yeah. a lot of aesthetics are shared. Like, demons are the same across both universes because by the, way, the orc unites the universes. Yeah, so by the way, as a quick, uh, very quick rundown... There are, you know, a lot of races, but I'd say there's like eight primary races to pay attention to, and they are humans, the Imperium of Man, as we described, orcs, spelled with a K, which we've also already described, the forces of chaos, which are demons and stuff like that, led by five demon gods. Well, there are more, but five main ones. There are four. Who's the fifth? We're at four. Where are you getting the fifth one? Well, there's a fifth one that's been a big deal in the codexes lately that's supposed to be like the um, representation of anarchy. Essentially, Malal is not in the codexes. Everyone tries to say Malal is in the codex. Malal is not in the codex. I'll accept that. Anyway, then there's the <laughs> then there's the Eldar, which we described as being space elves. The Dark Eldar, which even though they're an offshoot, they are pretty much their own thing. Think of them as I don't know they're BDSM elves. <laughs> so they're very rapey. Yeah, they are extremely rapey. The oh, skin the suit fairy. Yeah. Then there's what the Necrons. They wear <sighs> skin suits. Oh. Damn. Yeah, Dark Eldar are messed up. Anyway, the Necrons, which are the Space Terminators, as we as I was, then the last two are the the Tau, which are the youngest race in the Warhammer universe, being only like six thousand years old. They're basically space communists, but there's also kind of an Orson Wells or not Orson Wells, sorry, like a 1984 uh, Orwellian is what I meant to say, Orwellian mind control thing going on there. And then there's the Tyranids, which are have you seen um. Uh, oh, why is it suddenly escaping me? The like the Borg old Starship Troopers. Starship Troopers. Thank you. Oh yes, that's all I've been thinking about this whole time. Was that's Starship how Troopers. you describe the Tyranids? They are Borg meets Starship Troopers. Yeah, because they're, oh, they're basically all consuming. <laughs> they're insectoid, kind of, but they're also kind of like lizard. They're they're organic and they're completely animalistic, and they just their goal is to absorb organic matter. It's all they want to do. <laughs> but those are the main races of 40K. And nice. funny thing is, most there's subdivisions within those. Like, I think there's eight separate subdivisions within the Imperium of Man. <laughs> and there's various orc tribes. It breaks down very much from there. And again, well, they've so, got better about that this later edition because they want more money. They're like, hey, I want to play this niche army. And Games Workshop's like, okay, here you go. So you've heard the term Space Marine, obviously. So without yes. before getting into it, what do you know and or think Space Marine means in context of Warhammer? I I don't really know. I, I would assume it's I would assume it's somebody from the Imperium of Man that is leaving Earth to go fight these other legions instead of fighting ground war on Earth. That's okay. kind of where my brain is going. But Well see, that's what I that's what I figured and because when you hear Space Marine, I think there's a, a, a predilection to think about things like Halos, you know, Spartans, yeah. 
right? But no, not at all. Space Marines mean a very specific thing in Warhammers because there are uh, warriors in the Imperium who are basically that, but they're they're not Space Marines. They're just, you know, Imperium soldiers, essentially. Space Marines specifically are uh, 21 chapters. There's actually more because there's like offshoots and stuff, but there's primarily a chapter per Primarch where each of the Primarchs, remember their DNA came from the God Emperor, so then they would essentially put use their DNA to take chosen humans and start genetically modifying oh, them. Oh, okay. Them so imagine like they're about 10 feet tall, breathe in space, spit acid, drink blood, have two gotcha. hearts, multiple lungs. And because each chapter is from a different Primarch, they have their own sets of rules, their own yeah, traditions, own their own cultures. Subcultures. For example, I play uh, Ultramarines. They are... Uh, very Greco-Romantic styled. They are very much of, all right, here's the plan. Here's how we're going to do this. All right, let's go kick ass. Very we're organized supposed, by the number. Where it's supposed to tend to think that Ulrich's going to be a fan of the Space Wolves, because Space Wolves are essentially super Vikings who They're come space from Vikings. <laughs> yeah. Their planet is literally called Fenris. They call the uh, Emperor the All-Father. They have wolf nice. priests. They have they cast runes. They have big beards and where they look like uh, they jumped off the cover of a Monomarth album. Yeah. So the the idea of bringing this up, right? Space Marines are the most recognizable image for Warhammer, but because Space Marines themselves are all these chapters, which Space Marine chapter you choose has like a huge you know, difference from each other. And they're even different from like, because the Space Marine chapters operate kind of autonomously. While they are yeah. pro-Imperium of Man, they will clash with the Imperium if they don't believe the Imperium is behaving in a way they should. <laughs> well, oh, nobody has authority over them because there's kind of this big hierarchy of everything. But the Space Marines kind of exist outside this of, we can do whatever the fuck we want. You don't get to tell us what to do. And I mean... Typically, they kind of try and go with it, but by and large, most of them just do what they want as their own autonomous collective. That's super cool. So, yeah. so then, so you said, Ulrich, you play as the Ultramarines? Yes. And then, um, Axel, if, do you, so you, do you don't play the tabletop at all, or? Uh, I haven't. I've thought about it. I've got. I've looked at the pieces a lot, but mostly I, I prefer the video games just because collecting. I have a thing, and I don't know if there's a word for this, but I don't like matter, like stuff. Yeah, no, I get that. Me. I get that. Yeah. So, like, I don't like you know collectible card games, for instance, because even though I love playing the game, I hate the collecting part. And so, I will probably eventually get into Warhammer Tabletop just because I feel like I'm being pulled into this you know, black Which, hole of it, but you know, right now I, it's... It's an interesting aside to that because you get Lego and Ulrich doesn't, but you're not a collector. Correct. I love because playing with Legos. I don't like owning them, though. Yes, like, I, I get you. I get you. House. <laughs> no, I get you. Um, so what I was going to say is, so, you know, just to get my mind into it, of course, because there's millions of different ways we could do this. Let, let's say, you know, uh, the, the short version of if if you two were going to play a tabletop game against each other, is that work? Is it a two player thing or is it like, yeah, yeah it can be two players. It can be four players. So let's so, just, uh, so, so theoretically, so, let's say I so create a scenario, like tell me what you guys would play as and what you'd have available to you for physical pieces on a okay. table. You know, what Ulrich I mean? will take, yeah, Ulrich will take most of this, but I will say that I'm the kind of person that if we're coming at this, right, if me and Ulrich decided, Hey, let's play a game. I'm going to say, 
all right, then let's say we're on like, you know, planet Omnis or something like that. Yeah, there's yeah. an or- there's an orc infestation led by uh, my warlord who I have named Golrock Mechreka because orcs all have names like that. And yep. that's my my chosen name for my warlord. And so uh, Golrock Mechreka is uh, spreading across this planet and the ultramarines have been dispatched, uh, at least this section of them, this legion of ultramarines has been dispatched to deal with the orc infestation. And so that's our scenario. And we can say that the specific scenario is this is the initial battle where, like, there's an orc encampment, Ultramarines land nearby, boom. And then we have, um, usually, if we are, you know, have money or a location, we're going to have a, like, physical kind of table that is itself built with, you know, trees and... Right, and, and it's got... It's, water. It, it's got, like, hills and... Yeah, I've, I've seen that. But um, yeah. is, now, is there, a, uh, is there a standardized size, like a grid to that, that those have to be, or can you... You know, can it be like a football field size if you fucking wanted it to be? Well, there you got a couple different games. Uh, most of them operate on a, th- it's like a four by six thing. It's the average table size. That's what I've seen. Yeah. There's a smaller one if you want to do it, uh, Kill Team, which is, I think, some, I think the smallest four by four. And that works on a much smaller scale. But typical 40K is about four by six. Uh, if you wanted to do it on football field, then you're playing what's called Apocalypse, which is, literally bring everything you have and uh they're coming Sometime, with a new edition of that just google image search like warhammer 40k apocalypse and you'll see pictures of tables covered in miniatures and not all of them are very tiny they're like you'll see like 12 see tanks right next to each other and titans yeah are actually we just saw godzilla king of monsters a titan's like that <laughs> like a nice. mech that big <laughs> So, yeah, but uh, no, they just announced a new version of Apocalypse, which I'm super excited for because I've always wanted to play Apocalypse. And my collection is big enough I can play Apocalypse. And uh, Games Workshop is for the big release of that in their uh, Warhammer world in England. They are going to set the world record or attempt to set the world record for the largest game of 40K ever played. So look forward to that. Oh, that's one that's of each awesome. race present. I'll be upset otherwise. <laughs> So then, so, so let's get back to it then. So, so, okay. so, so yeah. what would you so, have at your disposal for, a, like, a say, I don't know, a four by six game if you two were going to play? Well, uh, standard game. So we've got the planet. We've, you know, drawn up the mission. Because this, Axel's described as a narrative mission, uh, game. So we've kind of got a story. We've kind of, you know, okay, these are the objective. This is the objective. Uh, we put out our terrain, you know, ruins, buildings, whatever. Um, Average size game is going to be about 1,500 points, which is going to be about three hours worth of play, give or take. Yep. Um, Axel's playing orcs, and orcs are what's called a horde army, which means they're... Because I'm coming with a bucket full of miniatures and dice. they're cheap. (laughs) Uh, They really can't hit the broadside of a barn, so they're relying on their mass numbers. Right. So he's going to have a lot of little orc boys and trucks and whatnot to transport him, maybe some tanks. I, I have a um, friend who does play orcs, and he said that at one point he literally did fill a bucket with the, all the dice he required, overturned it on the table, and said, I'm pretty sure I hit. <laughs> now, oh, so, yeah. so, there, so that answers the question. So it's dice-based. Yes. And it's what, got a really um, simple number. What kind of dice? Uh, it's, again, this system has streamlined it a lot, so it's... Almost all D6. I don't think there's okay. anything but D6 in there anymore. All right. So do you do you get assigned, um, like a, a 
like a level of you know specifications like hit points and things like you would in D and D, or is it yeah different? Uh, every unit has uh, stats across the middle. It's going to have their movement in inches, like how far they can move. Mm-hmm. It's going to have their weapon skill, which is going to say one plus two plus three plus, which is you have to roll higher than that, and that is how what you have to roll for them to hit in close combat. You have ballistic skill, same thing. That's what they have to hit at you know range. Their strength, which affects how you know hard they hit their toughness how hard they can get hit their wounds how many wounds they take and their save how you know what the value of you have to roll higher than it's kind of it's a lot like D. i mean i haven't played yeah. a lot of d i've played well, in they're a while, both they're both uh, very similar well remember the D is originally based off tabletop wargaming but in right. warhammer is straight up a tabletop wargame yep that's and i just you know only having seen them play it before I got into D and D. I just wanted to calibrate in my head off of what I know, you know. Yeah. So since I play Space Marines, they're a little more expensive, but they're a lot tougher and they hit a lot harder. So I'm probably gonna have maybe half the troops that Axel has, because he's gonna be operating in blocks of thirty man squads. Like orcs, that's their average squad is about thirty. Now, do Space you assign- Marines. Do you assign a quantity of soldiers to a single soldier character, or is it one is one? Uh, it works like one squad will have, you know, how many the max ca- the max is. So, like, for example, if I run a basic squad of tactical marines, it's minimum of five men, maximum of ten men. Gotcha. And they all have, you know, you get X amount of attacks per dude, depending on what it says on the data sheet. So then, you know, we have the deployments and the mission starts. We roll to see who goes first. And then it goes, I get my thing of movement, shooting, close combat, if I'm in close combat. And then, you know, it goes over to Axel. He does the same thing. We punch it out. We shift strategies. We use weapons. We do all these things. Like I said, this edition is such a great edition to get into because it is so much simpler than the last couple editions when you yeah. had a little chart you had to hold up. D&D and it has done the exact same thing. I played it at PAX, and I hadn't played D&D since 4th edition, and I think they're at, like, 5th edition point five or something. And they just they streamlined it all. So your character sheet, like, a thing that used to be five different subsets is just one thing now. And it's like, all right, that makes that a lot easier. I roll, and it could be one of these five things. Okay. I think <laughs> you know? we used to have, like, 30-some pages of yeah. special rules. Yeah. And that's not the case anymore that is gone away you have a little it's literally now a little fold-out binder that has the core rules and your codex which is your special you know rule book for your army um that just says hey these are the rules that apply to your army um and this is what they do on the little character sheet so it's no flipping to the back of the book there's not a lot i miss about the last edition I don't gotcha. think there's anything I miss about the last edition. It was very dense and complex and hard to get into. Funny, because nice. earlier I mentioned the the Tau and Ulrich uh, audibly gave, showed his disdain. Part of the reason why a lot of players hate the Tau, I mean, there's a number of reasons, but on the tabletop, they are like the longest range of, of any other races. Oh, all so, right. So they just murder you before you reach them. The last edition, they were just so broken, because last edition, they could literally 
shoot you from across the other side of the table before anybody could get into range. Unfortunately, they got a hard nerf this edition. I mean, they've kind of balanced it, but this edition, they are really getting, you know, kind of beat up on. That's awesome. So this this is super cool because, number one, I've realized that um, you guys know a crap ton, and I'm going to learn a crap ton. Um, and I think that was a good 101 for me, and I know that we've been going for a little more than an hour, so I think we should do this again. I would love to. I will, I will say that for anyone out there who wants a a more we're going to call it educated lesson on, on Warhammer. Like yes. very good detail. Look up a YouTube channel. Leighton O nine. It's like L U E T I N zero nine. He does these hour and some long videos where he goes deep dives into, to lore. It's, it's one of my favorite like things on YouTube. And if you want like l- almost lessons, like college lectures on sections of the lore, he's my go-to. That's and awesome. if you want a humorous approach, uh, go watch If the Emperor Had a Text-to-Speech Device. <laughs> now, for you, Chris, if you want us to just keep giving, giving you talking with you about it, I would love to do that. So. I, I would love to, too, because I, I feel like I'm contributing to the direction this goes, even though I don't know a ton, and it's it's making me excited. I'm actually getting I – can, I can picture this stuff and envision it, and I like the lore, so I want to talk about more. Um, but I will say – what just happened? I just heard like a smack, 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 kapow. Uh, it wasn't me. I don't know. All right, it was weird. Um, anyway, uh, what was I going to say? Um, I will, because we have fans that know that we're recording this now, give a tiny bit of time to explain or talk about Blood Bowl, because someone thinks I need to know what that is. Oh, go ahead, Ark. Um, that's okay. Leonidas, um, Elijah, from uh, an earlier episode of Shooting the Shit. So, Blood Bowl is one of the many, many specialist games that Games Workshop has put out. And it is essentially football played in the old fantasy universe. There's a dwarf team, there's a dark elf team, there's a high elf team, there's an orc team. All the fantasy races have a team and they play football. And it's made a great resurgence here recently. Like they brought it back. Um, it's got a great video game if you kind of want to see if you're interested in it, but it's football, but way more punchy, if that makes any sense. It's very turn-based. Um, I said my main experience with it is the video game and seeing the models. It is a lot of fun. It is very tongue-in-cheek. Um, they just released the halfling team who come out playing with cooking pots because that's their whole thing. They like to eat. That's awesome. And yeah, Slagathor is asking me to mention the orc cheerleaders. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Slagathor. Which, yeah, that's also a thing. Like I said, Blood Bowl 2 is a fantastic game if you want to see how the game functions. And if you're interested, go pick up the game. It's two players. It's relatively cheap. It's a great introduction into the hobby, especially the painting and the assembling. And it's really well supported right now. By the way, that that painting thing, that's one of the things that's, you know, it's very time-consuming, but it's very fun. And as an orc player, I know that if I were to get the, you know, miniatures, you know, what you paint them actually has an effect on what they do because of how orcs function. (laughs) Yeah, orcs orcs think colors do things. And because they will it to be, it's willed to be. Um, Actually, my my buddy Brian, who used to work at Gamers Workshop, I I got a horse um, heresy character from the uh, games workshop 
experience or whatever gamers world or warhammer world um in england he went to england for work and brought me back one and i'm gonna sit down with brian and we're gonna paint it up make it nice. look nice yeah now there's some cool models from the horus heresy line it's Unfo- just this one i don't have some time librarian. to learn librarian unfortunately oh, I know oh, that librarians is. are creepy librarians yeah. are awesome you shut your mouth they're creepy though come on admit it they're cool they can harness my- the power yeah, my favorite character in the entire Warhammer verse has a model, and it sucks. So, yeah. Oh, that's my, my, yeah, my favorite character is an orc named Gazkul Thraka, who's also known as the Prophet of Gork and Mork, who are the gods of the orcs. And I'll tell you more about them next time. <laughs> yeah, no, we'll do this again. Because, one, I like having you guys on, and two, um, I'm learning a lot. And I like to learn. Especially Plus about fun, geeky stuff. Plus, as an excuse to to force ourselves back on your show. <laughs> oh no, I'll, I'll have you guys on anytime. You know that. Um, so with that, I will uh, I'll wrap this one up um, because I know that uh, we all got to get going. But um, I'd really like to thank you guys again for for coming on and give you a chance to plug anything you want to plug before we we get going. Okay. Well, uh, as we were introduced at the beginning, we do a podcast called Geeks with Shield. We talk all things nerdy, geeky, everything in between. I think we've got three different episodes up covering various aspects of 40K. Uh, We've changed the format. and We don't go as in-depth because it's really huge. Uh, You can find us on YouTube, SoundCloud, uh, Podbean. Are we on Podbean now? We are on Podbean. Sweet. Well, at least by I the time mean... this is recorded, we will be on Podbean. Oh, okay. sweet. Uh, if you're on it right now, I was just going to go subscribe to you right now. Sweet. Yeah. You can find my... us on the social medias at Geeks with Shields. You've got the Twitter and the whatnot. I've been contractually obligated to push SoundCloud and all our, our episodes. Now I can push something else with Podbean. <laughs> we are looking at expanding. But yeah, find us on all the things. That's awesome. So thank you guys again for one being my friends and um, for being on this again and for having me on yours. And until next time, thank you for shooting the shit with Chippa.